and welcome to Beckett Talks, the podcast series from Leeds Beckett University. In these podcasts, we will be showcasing our diverse community of students and academics, touching on the important themes that surround universities today. In the last couple of years, I've been looking at how issues relating to human security, poverty, deprivation result in, in conflicts across Africa. So I have been looking at um, things relating to also the impact of climate change and conflict. And I'm looking at the nexus between human security, poverty, climate change, and how all these things explain insecurity and conflict in Africa. Well, it's amazing how there are some underlying issues that have not been identified in terms of conflicts in Africa. So we have things like how climate change or the changes in climate have actually impacted on migration, um, especially um, when you look at the nomadic communities and pastoralists, how um, the vagaries of the climate have impacted on their movement and how these have resulted in collusion with um, sedentary farmers and how these have resulted in violent conflicts um, across um, o- over 10 um, countries in Africa. Absolutely. Depending on the type of um, conflict you're looking at, so for instance, um, the conflict relating to climate change um, between farmers and pastoralists is one form of conflict. There's another one relating to resources. Um, that's another form of conflict. So depending on who you speak to, they, they always have um, diverse explanations, different explanations based on their knowledge or even based on their circumstances and situations. Well, we need to understand what exactly are the determinants and how these issues are impacting on on agricultural productivity. When you consider the fact that over 60% of Africans um, directly or indirectly depend on farming, one form of farming or the other, for their sources of livelihood, this invariably tells us that any changes in climate over a period of time would impact on the livelihood of these people. And if they are unable to get alternative um, sources of livelihood, there will be an increase in competition between different groups, and this increased competition will invariably lead to conflict. Well, the key issue is that even the people that are directly involved, they know something is changing, but they don't know it's climate change. So for instance, if you speak to a farmer, he would or she would tell you that there have been changes in farming timetable. Those who are able to plant over two or three seasons um, cannot do that any further. They have to wait for just one season because of changes 
and in the timing and um, the quantity of, of rainfall. And if you think about the fact that many of these people depend on rain-fed agriculture, they depend on the rainfall for them to plant, then it would impact on their livelihood. So for those people, they know something is changing, but they don't know it's climate change. For people that are more educated, they are now understanding the impact of climate change. But the problem still remains that it's not still being linked to conflict, which is one of the things that I am trying to do in my research, in how that not just to understand the changes in the climate, but also to understand how this explains increased conflicts on the African continent. Yeah, when we talk about sustainability, the key issue is that every human being would want to have a livelihood. And when that livelihood becomes unsustainable, then this impacts on their human security. Talking about human security, we are talking about things like um, access to food, access to water, access to basic amenities of life. These are the things that make people secure. So when their livelihoods become insecure, then their human security is at stake. And this then impacts on um, the way they react at the end of the day. So there is a link between sustainable livelihood and human security. Yeah, absolutely. When people think their human security is at risk, then they would react. And this reaction could be violent because they would naturally look for alternative means of livelihood. If they are not offered this alternative means of livelihood, then they are, there is the possibility that they would then look for this livelihood themselves, which could then result in increased competition. And a key um, determinant of conflict is competition either competition for a water or competition for land. Competition for scarce resources would naturally result in conflict. Yeah, absolutely. So that was actually my PhD research. So for my PhD research, um, I sought out to look at the determinants of conflict in resource-endowed communities. So when you look at um, lots of the literature or the theories out there, a lot of it points to greed being a determining factor, which explain the outbreak of violence in resource-endowed communities. So my research at that point was to look at whether there are other issues and I discovered that um, it's actually not greed. It's sometimes due to human security because in the Niger Delta region of Nigeria, the same um, with other regions of the world that are resource endowed, Ecuador is another very good example. What happens is um, environmental pollution due to uncontrolled exploitation of resources often pollute the environment. And then this then impacts on the sources of livelihood of the people because most of the time these people depend either on farming or fishing to, for sustainable livelihood. But when um, oil explo exploitation or exploration impacts on these sources of livelihood, people could will then react and this reaction again could be violent.
why it's both. It's a combination of both. Uh, it's the responsibility of the company to make sure that they engage in best practices in order to reduce the impact of the activities on the environment and also on the government of these countries, especially in the Niger Delta region of Nigeria. In this case, the government of Nigeria, it's the responsibility to make sure that the policies that have been enacted to uh, curb the excesses of the multinational corporations are implemented to reduce the impact on the communities where this oil exploration takes place. Leeds School of Social Sciences engages with diverse voices through learning and research, uncovering solutions that change people's lives for the better. Our strong commitment to research-led teaching develops our students as critical and creative individuals. We address key issues of public concern and aim to make a difference in the lives of people and communities creating opportunities for students to actively contribute to society. So, whether you're starting out on your educational journey or wishing to progress professionally, discover more about our courses at leedsbeckett.ac.uk forward slash LSSS. Well, partly it's an easy way, but also the grid theory comes from a research done by some researchers at the University of Oxford called Collier and Hofler. So they came up around 1999, 2000, and they did a research, uh, a quantitative analysis exploring over 60 countries that are resource endowed. So they then concluded that grid was a determining factor when explaining conflict in resource-endowed community. So what I did in the research I carried out was to either confirm or refute this theory to see whether or not greed was an underlying factor. And what I found was that it's difficult to generalize because different countries or different regions of the world that are resource-endowed have different inherent capacities or different attributes which makes generalization difficult. But when we need to explore um, resource conflicts on a case-by-case basis in order to understand the underlying factors, the culture and the attributes and ideologies of the people in order to understand um, the core or the key determining factors for each case study. Yeah, these are regions or communities that have natural resources. They are endowed with natural resources. So in some instances, it could be oil and gas. It could be gold. It could be diamond. Um, but resource-endowed communities are communities, regions, or places where there are there is the availability of natural resources. Well, Africa is a very rich and blessed continent, if you put it that way, because I think there is hardly any country in Africa that doesn't have one form of natural resource or the other. A lot of people have looked at it to say, well, the availability of resources have resulted in conflict. Uh, is a cause rather than a blessing to Africa. But I think the problem is not actually the availability of these resources. It's the management and governance of these resources that have resulted in uh, conflicts in on the African continent.
at Liz Beckett University, one of the things we pride ourselves in doing is that we engage in research-led teaching. So as students, we will bring our research into our teaching so you will have a direct exposure or direct understanding of the research projects that we carry out. And also, you will also have the opportunity to read these articles. Um, you have the people publishing these articles, teaching you and giving you um, direct insight into the work we do. So you will have the privilege of not only reading and understanding the types of research that we engage in, but also to ask questions and also be a part of the community to engage in such research projects yourself. Well, over the last couple of years, our student satisfaction um, rates have been really high. When you look at the the reviews from the students' union campaigns, uh, so well, student satisfaction is really high, and also we make sure that um, our teaching and our research all fuse together to give you a better understanding of politics and international relations. Well, you will have the opportunity to engage with day-to-day -day issues happening around the world. Politics and international relations are really interesting fields because they are practical. They are things that you can engage in, you can relate with. If you put on your radio or your TV today, you will hear something that might be discussed in the class the following day because we are... We, we talk about current events. We have a means of actually linking historical content to current issues. And this is one of the key interesting things, or these are the interesting things about politics and international relations, a combination of both historical content and empirical issues or analysis. Well, I've been teaching politics and international relations for about eight years now. I have a first degree in agricultural extension. A lot of people, uh, when they ask me what my first degree is, and I tell them it's agricultural extension, they, they, the next question is, how did you get into politics? So what happened was when I was doing my first degree, during my first degree, I volunteered for an NGO in Nigeria. And um, I discovered that one of the key problems in the world is poverty and development. So at that point, I wanted to do a degree in international development. So I came to the UK and then I studied globalization and development at the Institute of Development Studies, um, University of Sussex. So it was during this period that I then realized that one of the pains to development is conflict. So I then went on to study a degree in conflict resolution, politics, studying conflict resolution. So that is how I moved on, but I still do a lot of work that's agricultural related because there is no way you can talk about conflicts and development in developing countries that you will not talk about agriculture being the main uh, source of livelihood. So I'm able to bring in all these experiences and knowledge over the years into my teaching and it's been really enjoyable in the last eight years. Yeah, it gives me an understanding of where the people are coming from because I spent five years studying agricultural extension and um, part of the studying was I had to live in the communities. Uh, my dissertation was exploring rural urban migration 
in this community. So I have um, a thorough understanding of the underlying issues. So when I am in a community and they are telling me about um, agricultural productivity, uh, maybe livestock production of or cultivations of farming timetable, I understand the details of this. So this gives me a unique opportunity to be able to then link and connect these issues together and look at the, the role politics play in exploring or in determining um, the outcome of some of these things at the grassroots level. The Beckett Talk podcasts are released every Tuesday. So don't forget to check our social media channels on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook to find out more details on our next episode. See you next week.